have actually said that you, you perhaps use violence too much. And... I like violence. I love violence. I hate the weak person who go to art and say, oh, that hurt me, that image. Huh? Why to make pictures for that person? They are blind. Good evening and welcome to Midnight Videos Doomsday Clock, our crematorium countdown from the cult collection with your host me, Phil Walsh. And me, Jim Hall. Tonight, with the hands pointed at three minutes to midnight, we roll up, roll up, for an evening's fun at a bizarre big top for ringmaster Alarendo Jodorowsky's Santa Sangre. So this is our first uh, Hodorowsky film. Uh, yeah. We somehow have managed to skirt Tusk. By dint of it not really being very available, is it? I think there's a French video from it, the early 80s, which is a sort of yeah, you, you circulating. Can, you can get it. Um, but it's it's very poor quality. I think it is in French, isn't it? It is. Uh, but I have found, you can get subtitles for it, but I'm imagining they're... Uh, probably homemade and not very good <laughs> um, also it's not very well regarded Tusk is it and no. well I've not seen it um, I remember seeing clips of it on the um, Jonathan Ross interview which uh, is it Paul Kay in the UK who's their friend who's posted them up on, yes um, that's on, right on the incredibly strange yeah. film show. I remember seeing I don't even think it was footage I think it was just stills from Tusk but a lot of the things which seem to be in that do also seem to crop up in Santa Sangre I might be wrong I might be talking out of my hat there's a heffalump. There's a heffalump. <laughs> yeah, probably one of his better known films, but certainly not reviewed to death in the way that El Topo and uh, Magic Mountain. <laughs> Holy Mountain. <laughs> Holy Mountain are. Right here, many years ago, Lirio, a young girl, was attacked by the Terrano brothers. She tried to fight them off with all her strength, but they cut off her arms. Raised in a circus, boy magician Phoenix has a tough life caught between his knife-throwing father, trapeze artist mother, and the home-wrecking attentions of sultry contortionist the tattooed lady, an affair that ultimately results in a night of burning acid and amputation. But this is just the beginning for Phoenix, who, as an institutionalised adult, finds himself haunted by his mother in ways that even Norman Bates would find weird. So Alejandro Jodorowsky, or Jodorowsky, as most people would uh, call him. Let's agree to whatever. <laughs> Quite a renowned figure in uh, cult cinema. You uh, sneer as you say that. No, I don't. I don't mean it in a, a sneering way, but certainly the the creator of El Topo, which as a lot of people will know formed one of the little niches of cinema that became cult cinema, Midnight Movies Yep, um, in fact I think that may have been one of the first times I heard of it there was the book Midnight Movies, um, forgive me I can't remember the author's name but I remember getting that out of the library in about 1990 and it's one of those odd things when you'd heard of the other films in it, Eraserhead obviously Pink Flamingos <coughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show <laughs> and um, I think Harder They Come which I'd not seen then but I'd heard of well, that seemed an odd addition. Night of the Living Dead, 
and this and El Topo I was thinking what is this but as I was reading about it it sounded absolutely fascinating um, and the, the stills from it looked really intriguing as well it was a long time before I got around to seeing El Topo I remember the uh, by then I'd seen the, the Jonathan Ross uh, documentary it was a real kind of really want to see that but of course back then you couldn't just go and get that out of the video shop I don't think it's available on video uh, I think maybe no I don't know if it had copyright problems but there was there was some it there wasn't easy distribution yeah. issues um, and I remember it just turned up on BBC2 um, El Topo in the, about 97 I remember getting my video recorder ready I was desperate to see this and I, I was imagining it was going to be something I was going to go back to a lot I remember finding it really disappointing <laughs> El Topo and um I've seen it once since. In fact, I think you may have given me the DVD when no one wanted it from it. <laughs> one of our giveaway oh, yeah, competitions right. earlier, which probably tells you more about the um, the fact anyone who wants to watch it has got a copy of it now, rather than, um, or maybe we just don't have any any listeners. <laughs> but watching it again that time, um, still a disappointing movie. But Holy Mountain, I love. I yeah. really love, and I'm sure I'll talk about that more as the. Um, as the review goes on Santa Sangre I remember seeing at the cinema and again I remember back then kind of liking it but not being blown away in the way that I I imagined at that point I was watching a filmmaker who passed his prime you know but I was very keen to watch it again uh, for this have you seen it many times before Santa Sangre? Um, yeah I'd seen it once before um, I had a very dodgy copy that I don't know where it had been panned and scanned it was in a Quite a quite a shameful uh, viewing experience because I couldn't tell really tell what was going on half the time. But when I was watching it, I, I was quite taken aback by it. I thought it was it was definitely one of the oddest films I'd seen up until that point. And um, had you seen his others at this point? Was this no, no introduction? No, this was this was yeah, it would have been the first one I'd seen actually. Mm-hmm. Um, then I saw El Topo quite a while after and then Holy Mountain actually I think it was listening to Mondo movie that made me get off my arse and go watch El Topo and mm-hmm. uh, Holy Mountain And but I really love El Topo uh, right. I like it as much as Holy Mountain in fact they share similarities but there's something about in my imagination El Topo coming out and having that effect and it seeped into my uh my viewing experience. I, I know think. what you mean. Yeah, because there's so many great stories. I mean, I'm sure everyone does know El Topo, but it's a kind of spaghetti western, or I think Ron Ashley calls western. it an eastern, <laughs> um, which draws a lot on um, sort of Buddhism and a lot of the eastern religions, full of strange symbolism. But I think what you're talking about is when it came out, mentioned Midnight Movies, it came out and was a huge hit, specifically in New York. And you had, you know, people would turn up for midnight screenings of it, including John Lennon. And I think it was a very celebrated movie. It was, it was what the in crowd went to watch. Uh, I think it was, in fact, isn't Holy Mountain like an Alan Klein production or something? John Lennon, he was manager of him at the time. Um, I think still from the Beatles. I mean, that's one of the great things with Holy Mountain is that you've got this wild <laughs> filmmaker who's suddenly being given a load of money. And one of the things we've said throughout these podcasts is how much we like it when someone with no budget has to really think round corners to do something extraordinary to make their film stand out. And it's almost like if you give them too much money, uh, there's, there's a there's a positive imagination there because you can do the you can do the easy option, or you have to think about making that money back and make this film as uh, commercial and accessible as possible. 
Holy Mountain is not that at all. It, it really is. I can't. Other than actually June, which we re- reviewed recently, uh, when you've got someone with that much vision, given the money, and they really go to town with it, and you get to see what they will do with access to all those actors and sets, and you know the whole shebang. So, which leads you on to uh, <laughs> it leads us on to Santa Sangre, which yeah. in some ways is kind of like that. Um, I don't know how what the budget was for this, but certainly Dario Argento's brother um, produced this, yeah. Claudio, yeah, and basically just let Khodorovsky just do what he wanted to do, and by Jove, he does it. Yeah. Um, so we've both seen it once before. Uh, I watched it for a second time yesterday. I think you did as well. Yeah, we had I did. A little phone chat, and you said you just watched it. Um, so yeah, second time round. How's it for you? Um, it's not without its flaws. But I did find it extremely enjoyable. Just a really odd watching experience because even though I'd seen it before, it still felt quite new to me because I was seeing it in a pristine print for one thing. Um, I've got the uh, Anchor Bay release. And yeah, from the offset, it doesn't really let up in some ways. It's Even though it's two hours long, it, it really propelled me forward all the time. The it's just full of questions I mean there doesn't seem to be uh, any obvious answers to what's going on Uh, it reminded me a little bit of The Last Circus which I saw recently which is uh, Alex de la Glazius's most recent film I'm sure he's probably quite influenced from this which again is set in a carnival circus uh, setting and just with uh, seemingly random bouts of violence and you're not really sure what what's initiating these events but with Santa Sangre there's the usual Hodorowsky uh, motifs of there's lots of symbolism heavy religious imagery um, there's Oedipal complexes there's, there, there's so much there that it's absolutely left up to you to make of it what you will, I think. Um, I think we said this on a few weeks ago when we were talking about Prometheus, about the ambiguities which can irritate. This is more, for me, this was more of a, the ambiguities, but the, the themes are already quite ambiguous anyway. Because I suppose the difference is with Prometheus, that's a big, it's hopefully going to be, a, well, they're hoping it will be a franchise. Yeah. Um, so I think there are two or three scenes in that which people are raising questions about, but you get the impression that it's like, well, come back to watch the second and the third and you'll <laughs> find out. With this, I don't think Jodorowsky was hoping there was going to be <laughs> a trilogy. Um, and it's interesting you say you were finding there was, there was violence on it, violence and you know very uh, transgressive scenes or whatever, mm. but very little explanation for where it was coming from because we should mention it has quite an unusual structure. It's flashbacks and flash forwards as, yeah, as they say on Wikipedia um, <laughs> but yeah it opens with uh, Fenix who's played by uh, one of Jodorowsky's sons I think three of them appear in the film don't they? yeah that's right which is one of the best things about this um, <laughs> because they're all him they all look very much like him certainly across the eyes and yeah, the teeth and the nose as well and the, the nose um, so you've got, you got Fenix who looks very Christ-like at the opening with the long hair and the beard who's in um, an asylum naked up a tree in his cell but then we immediately get a flashback to him as a kid of about 10. But it's one of those weird things because he looks so much like him. You, you're used to the younger version in, in these films. Uh, the person playing the young version not looking anything like the older version. But here you're absolutely caught up in it. Mm. Uh, well, convinced by it. 
Which aids it a lot as well. Very much so. But I'm going to say, I think that's one of the best things about it. On the whole, I really wasn't very taken with this at all. <laughs> um, like I say, I love Holy Mountain so much, even though I've only seen it the once, but that idea of what I've already said of the... It's almost like the themes he had in El Topo, he was then able to really go much further with and do them in an extraordinary visual flourish. Here... To give it to Jews, there are some good images, but you get the feeling you've seen it before. And even though, as we were saying with Tusk, I've not seen it, it felt like bits of that have been revisited because there is the great scene with the elephant's funeral. Yeah, there's, a, there's an elephant in there quite early on. I don't think it's going to spoil anyone's enjoyment. Uh, who dies, which is quite a graphic scene. Uh, it's 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 quite yucky. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's one of the best things. Then is that the funeral is the the, the elephants put in a huge casket. There's a brass band that all sound quite shambolic, but I think deliberately so. Before the casket's pushed off a cliff top, crashes, and then a load of guys go in to try and just hack the elephant. I'm sure not ceremonial ceremonially. I think it's meant to be just they're trying to get hold of some meat to eat. Yeah, I think they're just <laughs> they hungry the, uh, poor people. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's it. It felt like, given this was after quite a long gap wasn't it in his uh, filmmaking career because I know he went off and did other things I mean he's, he's worked quite extensively in comics yeah I imagine he probably did after Holy Mountain didn't work you can imagine people were probably a bit reluctant to finance him and everyone knows the story of his version of Dune uh, never materialising um, but yeah I just I didn't find there was a lot to grab hold of here you know compared to Holy Mountain which I know you should review films on their own terms it just felt such a disappointment after after watching Holy Mountain. It didn't seem to have any of the ambition of it. It seemed like it was telling a slightly off kilter horror story, and you know it's not without accident I mentioned Norman Bates in the introduction. No, it no. ultimately seems to boil down to something a bit like Psycho, because um, I suppose the main thrust of this is when Fenix gets out of the asylum. Uh, much of the film is him with his mother, who now has no arms, and uh, Fenix. Is the I'm sure people have seen this act performed where someone stands behind somebody else uh, and pantomimes their arms. You know, am I describing that one? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What it is, but mm. um, it's like on um, Have I Got News for You? Where did not Have I Got News for You? Sorry, whose line is it? Anyway? Line is it yes. anyway? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got Greg Proops doing the arms for uh, yeah, yeah, um, and yes, the whole shame. mother dominating the um, the son's life uh, and throughout this, whenever he not gets aroused or, or does he uh, whenever he meets a woman who reminds the mother of this terrible tattooed lady uh, who ruined their lives murder ensues yeah it, it's it's quite interesting because at the beginning as well you've got the, the mother is part of a cult who worship a saint who's an armless saint yeah. who is raped and um, you have this sort of there's these seeds that have been sown for setting up a kind of revengeful but the way I kind of interpret it in a way because basically the temple's going to be destroyed by a property developer and she's trying to stop it and then young Phoenix comes over and he's like saying, Mum, no, no, no. And it prevents her from, you know, she's she's quelled by it. And I wonder if in some ways mm. the revenge thing is kind of, she ha she's having to use him as a tool, as a, some kind of punishment as well. Uh, Maybe I, I was reading was anything, into yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't think there was <laughs> anything much. as deep as that. <laughs> no. I really felt it was just a, an odd horror movie, you know. Um, it's, um, a, it's very well, hard to define it in any genre. Really. I'm calling it that to probably belittle it <laughs> deliberately. Because yeah, I just I had 
greater expectations of it, you know. Because there, there is, I think, Stephen Thrower in his magazine Eyeball. I've read this somewhere. I've I've actually read the re- uh, the interview with him, but Hodorowsky was um, singing the praises of Cronenberg and the like at the time. Mm. You know that kind of visceral horror, and he was saying this is a great way of cinema. Cinema should be going this way, and obviously this has informed Santa Sangre, mm. but. I didn't find it that scary, really. The whole thing is—it's it's too. It even like the whole, you know, what's it called when people are scared of clowns? Something oh, phobia. Well, yeah, I'll just call it clown phobia. It's uh, not that though. It's something well, else. Yeah. Either. I didn't find any of that particularly scary or creepy. Um, I f- the main frightening thing for me was the whole Oedipal side of it. The mm. the not that I'm I've got these issues myself, but. I found her quite an imposing figure mm. and her lack of emotion and just dominating yeah and because Phoenix is he's so out there with um, the fairies as it yeah, were you he know, has he's, a troubled look all the time doesn't yeah he? and he's he's got this sort of on off relationship with someone who he grew up with through this a, a deaf mute who she's a mime I think is it uh, or? Yeah, or tra- they're trying to train to do a trapeze walk on fire at the beginning oh that's they? right I'm not yeah. sure we ever really see she's just helping him in a trick I think when we actually see her when he's a boy magician I think mm. she's just his assistant there we never really see what she does but but they do communicate in a yeah. way that's you know there's that's where the heart of the story the emotions that are between those two there were two or three things I did like in this which were all hallucination scenes <laughs> um, I think there's yeah three of them one of which is very brief which has uh, Phoenix's uh, kind of Christ figure again, but with in a barn seemingly with loads of chickens falling down. It's very brief, but it's really well done. Another with the boa constrictor. Oh, yeah. Which I really love. Because he's just at the shop talking yeah. to a, a shop assistant, isn't he? And then, yeah. yeah. Even if we tell you about it, it's, it's just <laughs> really bizarre. And um, one towards the end, which is a great alternate version of Zombies. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So it is worth, well, in my opinion, <laughs> worth watching for things like that. But yeah, just, it it didn't seem anything like as ambitious as uh, his, 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 his earlier work. Yeah. Um, um, no, I, I really like it. I think it's um, a barrage of insane images along the lines of, his earlier films, and that, I'm not saying that's good enough for me in a that, that's what <laughs> that that'll do kind of way, but that that that's what I want out of a Hodorowsky film. Listen, this kind of stuff will make you sick. If you promise not to tell, I'll take you somewhere else. That's much more fun than the movies. Okay, so a little bit of a disappointment for me, but we've got a few more Doomsday Clocks to go. Yeah, two left. Mm-hmm. It'll be uh, two minutes to midnight, the next one. And then um, one minute, you reckon? Could be. Okay, um, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time. Good night. Bye. They say to me he will do Dune. I was ill. I was very ill. I get ill because I say 
the, this dumb guy. They, they get the only one director who can do that. And he will do it maybe better than me. And when I, wait, uh, I went to the movies, I, I sit there, but I was with urticaria, with eczema, I was trembling. Uh, uh, I say he will be better than my project. And then step by step, minute to minute, I start to, to, to lose my eczema, to get... Uh, to laugh, to, to be happy, I'm more happy. I was happy, it was so awful. 